Psalm chapter 33, and uh, we're going to look at just a couple individual verses, but follow along with me as I read. Psalm chapter 33, let's all stand if you're able to, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Move on to verse 20. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Title of the message today is, The Nation God Blesses. Again, this 4th of July weekend, as we mentioned, we are celebrating 246 years since the founding of this country. I believe it is a blessing to live in America and enjoy the privilege of the freedoms that we have. Uh, We, like I said, we understand, as we mentioned a moment ago, that the freedom that we have is not free. It's been fought and protected by those who have served our country. Again, we thank for those who have served. Thank those that are here who have done that. Praise God for that. But uh, as we think of this, in a greater sense, we believe that God has blessed this country. God has blessed America. By the way, does God only bless America? No, he doesn't. And kind of what we're going to go on tonight, what is a nation that God blesses? It's not just the United States, but I think in a large part, God has blessed. And we're going to look at that a little bit today and how God has blessed it and how our response should be when God does bless our country. As we think about this, one of the reasons I believe that God has blessed the country is because in a great sense, the foundation of our country was built upon this reason that we believe that God indeed blesses those who trust him. Uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, many of you probably remember him, Uh, but anyways, uh, that was before my time, I'm just being honest, but anyways, I've heard a lot about him, a lot of good things, and this is one good thing I like about Dwight Eisenhower, he said this during his presence, he said, without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being, that being God, is the first and most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. At another time, uh, President Eisenhower said this, Basic to our democratic civilization are the principles and convictions that have bound us together as a nation. Among these are personal liberty, human rights, and the dignity of man. All these have their roots in a deeply held religious faith in a belief in God. And I believe President Eisenhower is exactly right. Uh, President Eisenhower um, grew up in Kansas, and uh, actually uh, later on, actually it was while he was in office that he became a member of a Presbyterian church. Actually was baptized in the church, the only American president ever to have that done. Nonetheless, A great influence on his life, actually, was also Billy Graham, uh, who became uh, very influential in in his presidency and and vice versa. They became good friends. But today, as we think about what Eisenhower said, and as we commemorate this weekend, America's Independence Day, I think we read here in this passage of Psalm 33, especially in verse 12, we read of the importance of a true blessing of a nation. And a nation that is, is blessed has its link with its view of God. Again, at Psalm chapter 33, verse 12, it says, again, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. And so that's going to be the major focus is that verse today. We're going to look at a few verses in this, in this psalm that uh, really highlight 
exactly what is a nation that God blesses. And more so, we're going to look more specifically at who exactly is blessing the nation. I think sometimes we look at the nation being blessed. we got to look at the blesser. This is where it all stems from. This is important as we see this here. So again, in this verse here, especially in, in verse 12 at the end, he had chosen for his own inheritance. This obviously in its immediate context is referring to Israel. It's referring to the Jewish people. God says that he loved them not because they were the greatest of all people, but because simply that he loved them. And he says that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7. And so as we see this here, this is speaking of Israel in context. However, I believe this can really apply to any nation in essence, because why? God will bless a nation that honors him. God will bless a nation that honors him, not just America. You could live in Cameroon, for example. You could get, live in Argentina, wherever you are. If you are a people in a nation that honors him, I was actually, and we'll talk about this later on today, about the, our national motto, which is what? What is our national motto? In God we trust, okay? The de facto motto is e pluribus unum, out of many one, but uh, our official national motto is in God we trust. We'll talk about that, kind of a surprising history about that motto. Nonetheless, there's actually several nations that don't have a motto at all. Others do have some type of a national um, motto in a sense. And I was actually surprised that there were more than I thought of that at least mentioned God or a faith in God as part of their, their motto. I thought that was interesting. But I believe that, again, this can apply to really any nation or any people, for that matter, that honors him. God will bless it. So we got to really start with the fundamental question, who is the God that blesses a nation? That's really what our focus needs to be, first of all. We can say, God bless America. We thank God he has shed his blessings, poured his blessings upon us and our country and our people. But again, we look at this, who is the God that blesses? We see here the psalmist, he brings us really, it's a psalm of praise to that God in verses 1 through 3. It says in verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with the harp. Uh, sing unto him with a psaltery, an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. This is a, a song of praise, a song to our great God, a God that blesses our nation, a God that blesses a people who honors him. So God is to be praised. It's not so much America is to be praised. It's, to, it's the God that we serve that is to be praised. We see as well that this God, why is he to be praised? Because we see him as the righteous judge, verses 4 and 5 especially. It deals with that. It says here in verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. We see the psalmist is presenting God as this righteous judge. One thing we know is this, that God, as, our, as the judge over all the earth, he is dependable. He is faithful, but he is dependable in all of his words, in all of his works. Everything he does is right. Everything he does is good. When God blesses, he does exactly that. Okay, he is trustworthy. And how do we know? We can find out in his word, his dependable word. It will not, it's, it's true. It's believable. It's dependable. We praise God for that. And really these two verses here are really the overall thrust, the overall theme of this chapter. So when you think of this nation that God blesses here, it goes really in the light that God is dependable, that he is trustworthy, that everything he does is right. 
The way he treats a country is always done rightly. Now, does that mean the people will always do rightly? No, okay? Our nation is going through ups and downs. It feels like a roller coaster at times. Maybe right now, really, it's a, you're kind of on the high bend and getting ready to do the deep dive. I don't know what it feels like to you, but we're on a roller coaster as a nation, as a world, really. But we know that no matter how the world is doing, it's kind of going back to Psalm chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? They take evil counsels. They really are preparing or literally have cruel intentions against the Lord and his anointed, against the Messiah. And this is going on for really since the beginning of time, more or less. But we see that definitely lived out. But no matter what the world may do, no matter what our country, no matter even what our city may do, we know that God is dependable. We know that God is trustworthy and that we can believe in him, that we can rejoice in him. How do we know that? This is evident. And again, as we look at these verses, it's evident in his righteousness, in his justice, and of course, in his grace. God is a gracious God. This action, by the way, it says, yeah, we know that God's good God. How do we know that? It's revealed through his creative power. Verses 6 through 9 mentions about really how God created the world and how he's still the seas, how he gathers them up. If you look at those verses, it really says here, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. God spoke into existence. Let there be light. There was light, and, and so on. We know this. This is his creative power. So we see God's actions. His goodness is played out. By the way, when God uh, finished each day of creation, and at the end he said everything was good and very good. Okay, this is who our God is. This is really of his nature. We also see here that who is this God that blesses a nation? He's not only to be praised, he's not only the righteous judge, but he's also sovereign. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And no one can take his throne away. All right? And we see that really in verses 10 through 19 of this passage. It says in verse 10, for example, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen, which, by the way, the Hebrew word is the same Hebrew as nation in verse 12, but nonetheless, it's anyone outside of Israel, in a way. Okay? And, or anyone who worships something other than God himself. God bringeth the counsel of the, na- the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people to none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his, uh, of his heart to all generations okay so with it, god is over all creation whether you feel like it or not god is in control he's there he is also important to know he is also aware of the details of humanity he knows every single thought intent of the heart he knows everything that's going on verse 13 for example the lord looketh from heaven he behold the sons of men from the place of his habitation he looketh upon the inhabitants of the earth God knows exactly what's going on in human history, all right? He knows the details of what's going on in City Hall. He knows what's going on in Congress. He knows what's going on in the White House, in the Supreme Court as well. God, there's no detail of mankind that God is not aware of. He is in control. He's sovereign over all that. We also see that how is God sovereign? Because he's in control of the affairs of men. And a, a kind of a key point to, for us to understand is this that it is vain for us to rely on our own strength when we look at a magnificent God. Look with me in uh, verse, let's see here, uh, verse 17, for example. Okay, verse 16 says, there, there, there is no king saved by the multitude of the host. The mighty man is not delivered by much strength. The horse is a vain thing for safety. 
neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Now, if you're a horse lover out there, God bless you. All right, we like horses too. But understand, if you put your confidence in basically the material goods or whatever you have in your arsenal, however strong your military is or your government is or your, how strong your economy is, it doesn't matter so much. If you re simply rely on those things for your strength, it's a vain hope. It's really a false hope of victory. But with God, he is our victory because he is victorious. He's sovereign over all. So our point as we look at this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We focus upon that God that blesses the nation. And God, here's the point of this message here. God will bless the nation, the people that honor him. God will bless the nation that honor him. And how do we do it? It's by knowing who God is. There's a lot of people who think they know about God and maybe even find a verse of scripture somewhere, somewhere out there. But they really don't know him personally. Our goal is that we would know God personally. So... Now the question is this, who is that nation that God blesses? Who is that nation that God blesses? Again, in context here, it's referring to the Jewish people. Again, this is in verse 12, those he had chosen for his own inheritance. Uh, the Jewish people are called as inheritance or a heritage as well in other parts of scripture. And God definitely has blessed Israel. He's blessed the Jewish people. In fact, it goes back to what Abraham, God bless Abraham, saying, those that will bless you and your family, I will bless. Those that will curse you and your family, Abraham, I will curse. But through you, all nations of the world will be blessed. And folks, I want us to understand this, that we owe a great debt of thanks to the Jewish people because through them, God gave us two great gifts of eternal value, the word of God and the God of the word, the Messiah. For that, we should be truly thankful. And in that, this is why we, especially even as a church, and I pray as a nation, that we would be a good friend of Israel. We'd be a good friend of the Jewish people. Now, Israel is a holy land. It's full of unholy people. After living there for over six years, I can attest to that, okay? They're going through another, back in November, actually, they're going to have an, a fifth election in three years. It's just parliament government and it's Middle Eastern politics on top of that. But nonetheless, we pray for them. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Not just that they'll get along in the Middle East, we want that too, but we're praying more specifically that the Prince of Peace, Jesus the Messiah, will rule and reign in their hearts, Jew and Arab, Jew and Gentile. And that goes in your heart as well. So we thank God for that, all right? So again, as we think about that, that nation who blesses God, I believe this can also refer to us as well. How do we, how do we receive God's blessing? Who is this nation? It is, number one, a nation that recognizes God's power. As uh, the psalmist was re reiterating the, the creation act of God, in verse 8 it says here, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. When you really think of God's mighty work he has done, especially in regards to creation, you should step back and be in wonder and awe. And you can sing maybe that song, How Great Thou Art. Pretty amazing when you think about that. We recognize God's power. This is, again, a nation that recognizes God. We also should be a nation that fears the Lord and falls on his mercy. Go to verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse here. He says, they who fear God need not fear anything else. Let them fix their eye of faith on him. And his eye of love will always rest upon them. Again, as, na as Israel, as a nation, would follow the Lord and bless him and honor him and obey him, God would bless him and his eye would be upon him. Now, when we dishonor the Lord, 
Yes, God would withdraw his hand of blessing, maybe for a time, maybe for a season. And I think as well, this can apply to our country here, to our community as well. But I pray that we would fear God to know who he is and that we would fall upon his hands of mercy. Within that, every one of us are in desperate need of God's mercy and of his grace. Why is that? Because each and every one of us, when we think about the mighty mighty God that who is, who created this world, who created you and me, we know that he is a perfect God. God is without sin. In him, God is God of light, and in him is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5. As we think about this, every one of us, though, are sinners. Every one of us have broken God's laws. We are separated from God in our sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is nothing good in you and me that will merit God's favor in of itself. There's no way we can go to heaven on our own. You can't pay enough money. You can't do enough good works. You can't be baptized enough. You can't do anything without God's grace and mercy. And praise God, God gave us his grace and mercy through the person of Jesus Christ. He sent his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and me. To take our sins. When we should have been on that cross, Jesus took our place. He took your place. Why is that? Because he loved you. He loved you so much. He gave his life for you. He died and he was buried. And praise God, he rose again the third day. Triumphant over sin and death. And he calls all the world... Jew and Gentile, he calls you to trust in him, to believe on him. This is what we've been called to do. So I pray today, you're here today, and you know for sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That if you're here today in your sins, you're lost, if you would die today, where would you spend eternity? Do you have assurance of that? Praise God, by his word and by the promise of Jesus Christ, we have that hope and we have that sure foundation, we have that salvation. So as we think about this, I pray you believe that today because I believe that God will bless a nation and he will bless a person that honors him. I like what Albert Barnes said, a famous commentator. In regards to this, let's break down this verse a little bit, at least the first part. Blessed is the nation. The idea here is that the nation is referred to as happy. The word uh, blessed here is ashray in Hebrew, which means happy or one that is happy or whose condition is desirable. It's like you want what that person has, Okay. And what is, and I like what he says here. Barnes says this, what is true of a nation is also true of an individual. There's a similar verse in Psalm 144, 15, which says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And it has that same idea, that same concept, this. So what is true of a nation, God blesses that nation, but God also blesses that individual whose God is the Lord, who understands who he is and who follows him. That phrase, whose God is the Lord, this, as Barnes says, is a nation that worship God that is under his protection, under his caring eye. This is evidently, as Barnes says here, to distinguish from a nation from those who worship false gods or false idols. In other words, Israel was to be different from all other people around him. Whereas they worship other gods, the gods of the sun, the gods of the moon, the gods of the land, whatever it may be, that they worship the one true God, creator of heaven and earth. Even so, we should be that people as well, an individual believer, and even as a country that worships that one true God, Jehovah. Such a nation is blessed and happy. And he gives three reasons why we should be blessed. We, number one, see, according to Barnes, that God is a real God, the true God, and not an imagination or fiction. We serve a true God. We're not just talking to the air, folks. We're talking to a true and living God. 
We also see this, how are to be a blessed and happy nation? Because God's laws are just and good. And by observing his laws, will always tend to promote the public welfare and prosperity. In other words, very simple. If you honor God in his word and you obey his commandments, guess what? That will flush out into the lives of others. To what? To promote their general welfare and their prosperity and blessings to others as well. In other words, you've been blessed to be a blessing. We mentioned that a couple weeks ago. And so this is the idea. And so even as a country, why do we have the Ten Commandments, for example? Because by keeping them, that's God's plan, number one. But by keeping them, that promotes the general welfare of the people. It's kind of nice not to murder someone, right? It's kind of nice not to be stolen from. All right? And the list goes on and on, okay? So these are things that we should do, all right? And it, it, it will benefit others in doing that. Also, we see here that how is a nation to be blessed? Because his worship and the influence of his religion, this is a believer, will tend to diffuse virtue, intelligence, purity, truth over a land, and thus promote its welfare. In other words, when you worship Almighty God and the influence as you practice your faith in God, this will diffuse, it will spread to others virtue, intelligence, purity, truth over this land and promote its welfare. So this is amazing as we think about that. So I kind of want to bring this all together. This We talked about the God who blesses a nation. We talked about the nation that is blessed. But let's talk about now a prayer for a nation. How do we pray then for this country or whatever country you're from? Okay. When we lived in Israel, our congregation was, we had about eight or nine different nationalities a given service. And so to preach a message on America itself only benefited a few of our folks, okay? We could say, God bless the Philippines. God bless Burma. God bless Nigeria. God bless Cameroon. We had some from Cameroon. God bless Argentina. God bless Russia. We had so many people in our group that this is, you know, how do you exactly do that? So this is a prayer, again, for a nation, and I believe any nation that seeks to honor God. Look with me here, and we're going to look at the prayer for the nation. And so you have this beginning of praise, and we see who God is as the creator and as the judge and as the sustainer of life as sovereign. And now the very last verses, it concludes with a prayer. The prayer of the psalmist. In verse 20, it says this. The prayer is this. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. It's like a trust, their faith. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. The prayer is this. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. In these three verses, we see something that is noted in our relationship with God, understanding that having faith in him, having hope in him, verse 22, and also having love and receiving his love. His mercy there is his chesed, his everlasting, unconditional love that's everlasting. And so we are dependent as a nation, as a people, we are dependent on our God. Whether they, people realize it, whether your neighbor realizes or not, whether our governor realizes or not, we are dependent upon the grace of God on this country. This is something that we should do. So the kind of the gist of this, of this prayer is this, let our confidence be in almighty God. Let our confidence be in almighty God. This is what we can take from that. When we say, blessed is a nation whose God is Lord, we say that with confidence because we believe in the God who blesses that nation. And in that, God will bless the nation that honors him. You know, one of the ways I believe that this country has been blessed 
And I believe that we have honored the Lord as a country is through our national motto, in God our, is our, in God our, we trust. However, as I mentioned a moment ago, it has an interesting history. This model was only recently established just 66 years ago in 1956 by, again, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. The motto was first popularized. By the way, the essence of God or a trust in God has been, if you look at our founding documents, for example, the Declaration of Independence, many other writings, it's very evident of our nation, our founders' trust in God. However, the motto, In God We Trust, really was really popularized by Francis Scott Key when he wrote uh, the poem, The Star-Spangled Banner. Believe it or not, the Star-Spangled Banner has four verses. We only sing verse one in our hymnal. I think there's only two verses of it. But anyways, the, the fourth verse, which is the last verse in our, our hymnal, it says this, and I love this. I wish we would sing, when, when we do the national anthem, we would sing the second verse as well. Because this really encapsulates how our response should be to a God that blesses this nation. It says this, Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. In the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave the land of the free and the home of the brave. So that is what was in regards to the star-spangled banner. Did you know that? It's part of our national anthem. Anyways, this model believe it or not, did not appear on our coins. If you look at your currency that you have maybe today or that you're saving up for the fruit jar offering, okay, um, this motto actually first appeared on coins during the Civil War in 1864. It actually was on the two-cent coin, okay? But it wasn't until 1957, again by President Eisenhower, when the motto, In God We Trust, appeared on paper currency. And since then, it's been on our, our currency coins and, and bills, etc., now, challenges to this motto in God we trust, of course, have sprung up every now and then. But the motto in God we trust has been reconfirmed several times by our Congress. For example, in 2011, just uh, 11 years ago now, Congress voted overwhelmingly to reaffirm the national motto in God we trust. And I actually print that off because I want to read it to you. It's not very long, but I want to read this resolution, concurrent resolution that was dated November 2nd, of 2011 in the Senate of the United States. It was actually brought before by a representative of Virginia. And so this is the, re the resolution. It says, reaffirming in God we trust as the official model of the United States and supporting and encouraging the public display of the national motto in all public buildings, public schools, and other government institutions. Whereas, in God we trust is the official model of the United States. Whereas the sentiment, in God we trust, has been an integral part of the United States society since its founding. Whereas in times of national challenge or tragedy, the people of the United States have turned to God as their source of sustenance, protection, wisdom, strength, and direction. Whereas the De Declaration of Independence recognizes God, our Creator, as the source of our rights, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Is this, is, is civics classes is coming back to you a little bit? Okay. All right. Going on, it says, whereas the national anthem of the United States says, praise the power that has made us and preserved us a nation, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. Whereas in the words, in God we trust, appear, listen to this, over the entrance of the Senate chamber and above the speaker's rostrum in the House chamber. It's, it's all plastered all over our government. 
whereas the oath taken by all federal employees except the president states, and this happened at Kentonji Brown-Jackson was sworn as an as a Associate Justice of the Week, and she said these words, I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office of which I am about to enter, so help me God. This has been implied in trusting God throughout this. Going back in history, the resolution goes on, whereas John Adams, our second president, said, Statesmen may plan and speculate for liberty, but it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. Whereas if religion and morality are taken out of the marketplace of ideas, the very freedom on which the United States was founded cannot be secured. In other words, the founding fathers are saying it's essential that we trust in God for this for this country to go on. Whereas President Eisenhower said, and President Ford later repeated, without God, there can be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. And whereas President John F. Kennedy said, the guiding principle and prayer of this nation has been and is now and ever shall be in God we trust. Now therefore be it be resolved by the House of Representatives and the Senate concurring that Congress reaffirms in God we trust as the official motto of the United States and supports and encourages the public display of the national motto in all public buildings, public schools, and other government institutions. So is actually not just to have on our currency, but in every public building, government building, the motto in God we trust should be displayed. Now, every state has a slight difference in how that is applied, but nonetheless, it has been, it's been reconfirmed, reaffirmed that in God we trust as our national model. The thing is this, we can say that, of course, there's some challenges here and there. By the way, that resolution passed something like, what, 369 to 9, something like that. Uh, so overwhelmingly it passed. And those who dis disagreed with it basically said, aren't there better things we should do than put something out there that's already been reconfirmed several times? But nonetheless, it's been reconfirmed, Okay. So in doing that, I want to challenge our church. I want to challenge you by saying this. On this 4th of July weekend, let us celebrate the freedoms we enjoy as a nation. But more importantly, let us remember that without God, our freedoms are shallow. As a nation, let us trust in God. Let God be our trust. As, our, as a church, as Victory Baptist Church, let our trust be in God. And as we trust God, we will honor God. And I believe this, that God will bless a nation. God will bless a church. God will bless an individual that honors him. It really goes on to the prayer, and I echo the prayer of the psalmist here. Lord, let your mercy be upon this country, be upon this church, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. As Irving Berlin wrote, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. You know this song, ready? God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. To be honest with you, that was written by a Jewish man. <laughs> kind of interesting, Irving Berlin. But as we think about that, let that not just be a, a song we sing at a ball game, but really from our hearts, let that be our prayer. God bless America and truly be our light as we trust in him. Again, God will bless a nation, a church, an individual 
that honors him. Let us do that. May God be our trust.